Well, if you've kept up with the news recently, you'll know that it's been like uh, a game of good news, bad news. You know, the game where somebody says, good news this, bad news that. Well, it seems to be happening all the time. On the one hand, we hear about promising advances towards a vaccine or treatments which are proving beneficial for this nasty virus that's surrounding the world right now. And then we hear some gloomy predictions about how the future might be and how long the impact of what's happening now will last. I feel, as I'm sure many do, for the holidaymakers who headed off to Spain for a bit of leisure and relaxation, only to learn that on their return, they'd have to self-isolate for two weeks. Or for those who were just coming to the point of getting the hope up that their weddings and the like would go ahead with the receptions they planned only to be told they couldn't go ahead. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. As our reading begins, Jesus has just received some bad news. Things have been going really well for him. His ministry was flourishing. And this news came not just something that was a little irritating or inconvenient, because he'd just been told that his cousin John, John the Baptist, is dead. And not through natural causes, but he's been brutally done to death by Herod in response to a very foolish promise he made to his illegal wife's daughter who'd taken full advantage of the situation to get revenge on John for speaking the truth about her marriage to Herod. Jesus' response to that news shows us that he entered fully into our humanity. He was distressed and he took some time out to come to terms with what had happened, to bring his human response in line with his godly nature. It's important and it's reassuring to remember that Jesus experienced humanity in every sense. He knew the joys and the sorrows, the highs and the lows. We have a saviour who's not distant and detached, but who knows and understands us at the very deepest level. Anything we feel, he understands. Anything we experience, he understands. He's been there too. Jesus's popularity was rising fast at this time. And I suppose it's one of the problems of that type of celebrity fame. But as try as he might to find space to reflect and be with, with his father, the people followed him. Hearing of this, the crowds followed on foot from the towns. And by the time he got to the far side, they'd already got there. In fact, the boat crossing was to be this only opportunity for solace for the time being. There was the large crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed those who were ill. Jesus' heart was moved by the people. He saw that they had need, and he selflessly gave. In Mark's account of this story, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, wandering, 
purposeless, looking for guidance and direction. Unlike us, Jesus was sinless. His reaction here is the ideal of what the human response should be in light of God's love. You know, I'm sure you've realised that people in need, people who need something from us, don't always come at the most convenient moment. It might be just as we're sitting down to dinner that the phone goes and we have to shovel our dinner into the oven quickly to answer the phone and spend time with a loved one or a friend. And sometimes we just have to bite our tongues and let God work through us. That's one of the big challenges of services. One of the uh, service, one of the sacrifices that we make as we follow the Lord. A former colleague of mine who's a head teacher of a school not far from Linfield found herself on a particular day much in demand at her school and she didn't get a single moment's peace. Everywhere she turned, everything she tried to do, there was someone there wanting to speak to her about some problem or other. In fact, even when she went for a comfort break, one of her staff followed her into the room and carried on talking to her through the cubicle door. Now, I suspect her response at that moment, if it was anything like mine would have been, was quite different to what Jesus did. Nowhere near as positive. I suggested that she put up signs and informed her staff of her right as a Christian to at least go in peace. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, it all seems like a perfectly sensible reaction. There's lots of people, there's no food. People get hungry, it's part of our makeup, part of our design. And no doubt the disciples felt that Jesus could do with a break, some time out, or at least perhaps the disciples wanted an excuse for a break themselves because they too were tired after their missionary adventures. Jesus' response must have come as a bit of a shock. He doesn't nod in agreement and say, you know, dismiss the crowd, let's do that. Instead, he offers an unbelievable challenge. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I'm reminded at that moment of um, John McEnroe's famous complaint on the tennis court. You cannot be serious. Surely Jesus is having a laugh. In Mark's account of this event, we actually get to share in the frustrated response of the disciples. They say, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? It's interesting, isn't it, that the disciples are looking in the wrong place for a solution and they see only the enormity of the problem and the insufficiency of the resources that they have available. We have here only five loaves of bread 
and two fish. That's probably just about enough for, for a little snack for Jesus and the disciples. When I was young, I had a, a ladybird book with this story in it, beautifully illustrated. And there was a boy in the picture whose picnic lunch of loaves and fish was the food to which the disciples were referring. This little boy was the only one that had bought anything with him. And I always felt a bit sorry for him because he'd gone out and he'd had the foresight to take a packed lunch. And then his lunch gets commandeered. Bring them here to me. Jesus takes the little that's on offer. The people are directed to sit. Jesus takes the bread and the fish looks up to heaven which of course is the opposite of the jewish custom when blessing god in thanks for food so we recognize in that that he had a very different relationship with the father breaks up the food and the disciples share it out they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children don't you just love that statement a statement very much of its time 5,000 men oh and there were some women and children as well which could have raised the numbers to two or three times more people than we get told about so maybe this isn't just the feeding of the 5,000. This miraculous moment is even bigger and more impressive. We could be here seeing the feeding of the 10,000 or the 15,000. And not only did everyone get something to eat, they got more than a taste, more than a little mouthful. They were fed, it tells us, until they were satisfied. Such is the generosity of God. Not only was everyone fed until they were satisfied, but there were 12 baskets of leftovers, pieces of bread and fish left over. 12 baskets symbolizing perhaps the 12 tribes of Israel, all of God's people, because God is sufficient for all people, all his people throughout time and throughout the world. So the question I think really is where do we fit into this story? What's the challenge and the blessing for us today? Where's the good news? Well, we have a God who can do miraculous and marvelous things and chooses to engage with us and work with us and work through us. But what if the disciples had dismissed Jesus's request or if that little boy had refused to share his pat lunch. That's the challenge. We may not feel we have much to offer. We may not feel we are much to offer. We may feel that what we contribute is limited. And like the disciples, it's easy enough not to engage when we're focused on the problem and our deficit rather than on Jesus as the solution. Jesus is the answer. 
when we place the little we are and the little we have in the hands of the Saviour, that little time, that prayer, that resource, ourselves, whatever, start with what we have, give it to God and trust God to do more. It's then that in the hands of Jesus, a little goes a very long way and we can see lives and situations transformed. During this time of lockdown, people have been given a little each day and God's been taking it and using it to his glory. And we see more and more people engaging with God. C.S. Lewis, a great theologian and a writer that I love, said this as it were speaking in the voice of God. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, so much of your work. I want you, all of you. And that's the challenge, to place all that we are, even if we don't consider it to be significant, all that we are into the hands of Jesus and through us, he will do marvellous things.